Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming for the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We have a great guest today. We have Vanessa Lilly. She's a psychological suspense author. Her new book is out now, Little Voices. You can find everything on her website. It's just vanessalilly.com. All the social media, at Vanessa Lilly, except on Facebook, it's Vanessa Lilly Author. Uh, but we'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, Vanessa's fucking awesome. We had so, I, I know for a fact that I had fun. Um, so I was... This episode came together in a pretty cool way. Um, last episode was with the uh, boss herself, Erin Alexander Edwards. Um, her and I were set to record a couple weeks ago. She was in Barbados, flying home, missed her flight, and she was not going to be able to get back in time. So she had to cancel uh, or reschedule, rather, maybe like a night the, the night before. And I was like, you know what? I got the studio. Let's see what I could do. Uh, I'm just going to have some fun. I'll ask everyone I know if anyone wants to do it. And I ended up ended up connecting with the Vern from Cinema Recall, who was the guest of that episode, that particular uh, time slot. But what it ended up doing is it really opened my eyes of, to a new way of booking and uh, finding out who else is out there and interested. And one of the people who reached out, uh, who I had never met before, was Vanessa, uh, mentioned um, having some interest. And I follow her on Instagram, and she's got a really good Instagram. And she's very good at social media and, you know, writing the things she's here for. But her Insta stories are goddamn delightful. And I remember I was chatting with um, Jody at the What Cheers Club and mentioning about the cool people I'd met and all the people I want to get on. And I had mentioned Vanessa, and she's like, yeah, she, she's got – you know, her new book just came out. She's got some some movement on her, if you will. Uh, so I just, after following her Instagram and reading, like, the reviews for her book and seeing all, the, all that cool stuff, just felt like a kinship. Um, she just seemed, well, I said to her face, she just seemed like a real-life Lisa Simpson, just like a really nice person and um, really good personality, very funny. Um, one of the ha- funniest things I think that's ever happened on this podcast, I don't know if Vanessa would even recognize it, but there's a part in this episode where jo- I'm joking around about accusing her of burning down a church, and she has some of the most, like, it's almost like arrested development comedic timing. She And I wish, she, if you were in the room, and I had, to, I had to listen to it twice to really get make sure I got it right. I wish she could have been in the room, anyone else me. But she, like, I, I jokingly accused her of burning down the church. She's like, I didn't burn down the church. And in, in, in the studio, she like literally went away from the mic like a half a centimeter like i didn't burn down the church um i don't know why that stuck out to me so much we talked about so many other things but it made me appreciate it so much uh vanessa's wonderful so make sure you buy the book we're doing our very first giveaway so make sure you follow the social media we're going to be giving away an autographed copy of little voices it is um so make sure you follow along on instagram facebook and twitter on the let's chat and vanessa follow us and we'll give you some more information Hopefully tomorrow, we'll, well, yeah, we'll have it all out, and so we could um, let's let's well, let's start some more giveaways. Uh, a little housekeeping off the top, so it's gonna be a little bit of a long intro. I want to give a warm welcome to producer Brebert. Uh, you may or may not know Brianna Benjamin, who has been a past guest on this show, active on the uh, the old social media, if you will. Uh, so Brianna is amazing, uh, to say the least. But. I've been kind of back and forth. I want to grow the show. I didn't know what to do. I was thinking about hiring someone. I was thinking to maybe I'll join a network again. Shout out to uh, Kevin Gallagher for the podcast, Everything is Awesome. There was a lesson conversation about getting on his network. I decided to kind of go a different way because what I decided was when I uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next to kind of get the show to a new level because I want to keep doing it. I want to keep the show going, but I need to have some sort of monetization of it to afford to do it and want. And um, I really want to take this to the next level. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll, I kind of was looking at sites, way to pay people. And... I just, the more I thought about it, and it definitely took me months and months and months, because it's been six years. I haven't had anyone part of the show since episode, like, 20, so uh, there's some weird control issues there. Uh, I promise you that. So it was, like, a big deal for me. It was a big deal that I, I wanted to bring someone on, and I, it definitely, I've definitely thought about it for maybe the better half of a year. And then the more I thought about it, it was it was Brebert. Uh, she gave herself that wonderful name, which is another reason I think I just love her so much, is um her husband, who's also the just you know most wonderful human being as well, his name is Robert. So I texted Bri- Brianna. I was like, "We got to give you a fun name, like Producer Bree." And she's like, "How about Brebert?" It's like, "Yes, you are now Producer Brebert." Uh, so we had met on Twitter a few years ago, and then we did a podcast episode and just got along well. We definitely like very connected emotionally. Like you know, there's a just connected and just and we became like actual real life friends. And then for her side gig, she at one point she was doing what would become Bri- Brianna Benjamin Design and More. 
she wanted she was you know working a job and then doing her side gig as a, a typist where she's like typing up people's manuscripts and stuff and then it morphed into Brianna Benjamin design and more and I was looking through all the services she provides and the thing I realized is like I need someone like Brie but I don't want to hire Brianna Benjamin design and more because a I don't have any money and I don't but um I just from knowing her on a personal level and know what she's good at. She's just so good with marketing and type, and she's so wonderful to work with. Uh, she's making the website for us. She's been teaching me how to make. She she's a partner. She's officially a partner. This show is now Let's Chat with Chris Revel, produced by Brianna Benjamin, because the, everything I've already in like the two week and a half she's been a part of the show. Everything my numbers are going up. My social media engagement is going up. So we're gonna keep keep it going. But make sure you can follow her on uh, Benjamin Types on Facebook is her her official page. But you could um you know you can follow her on Twitter too. She's one of the very very active on Twitter. And where we met, and goodness fucking gracious, she's funny. She's Brie Poe P with a zero E, I believe. Uh, so, Brie, Brie Burt, we're just so happy to have you. You are incredible. Shout out to Brie Burt. Thank you so much. I uh, can't wait. Make sure you follow us on all the social media at Let's Chat Podcast. And more recently, I was just on an episode of Old Roommates, and I was talking about one of the greatest movies. I'm going to say it. Greatest movies ever made, the 1979 The Muppet Movie. I think they also might call it the original Muppet Movie. Uh, fuck. I love, love, love that. Uh, go check out that episode if you can. And keep an eye on the feed. We're going to be putting out a bunch of episodes. Anyway, let's get to it. Amiri Maudlin, the princess of trioles, wakes one morning to discover her mother's dead body. Suddenly, her entire world is turned upside down. She must now become queen in the midst of a shattered kingdom, while finding her mother's murderer. Is it someone in the castle? Meanwhile, a war is brewing with the other kingdoms of Dromolux, a war only Amiri's mother knew about. Will Amiri be able to save her kingdom by the time the official declaration has to be delivered? Or will Trigol's fall like the murderer planned? Did you like what you just heard? If you did, you're in luck. The Broken Daughter by Amy Shea, that's me, is available for pre-order now on Amazon for just 99 cents. Visit my Facebook page for the link, facebook.com slash amyshea08. Through my books, down the well, said goodbye to a few who saw my didn't tell. Couldn't have seen 21,000 miles, but I got there. thing I will keep with me for all my life. Yeah. I cannot remember anything else in that book. I never read any of this stuff because you're going to learn I'm a podcast person, not really much of a reader. Yeah. But I was just listening to an interview with him. I forgot where. I think it was on like Dax Shepard's podcast or Bill Simmons or something. But he was talking about how, like podcast because his audio book had just come out. I want to get the, what is it, the, about talking to strangers. It just sounds fascinating. Yeah. But he made this interesting point of like for human history, it was like the, we had, it was like storytelling, like verbal communication like this and then we get the printing press and then the medium shifted to written and now he's calling it with this new like the audio boom of podcasting the written where it's we're kind of switching back to like the old traditional like because podcasting for as new as it is it's really like this is just the campfire this is like a really basic thing so it's so interesting and so but when we were talking we we're kind of talking about this off mic uh but like and um but it's so interesting because, like, for a, I feel bad for you writers who like have to make a living out of it. Because now, a, a you're a skillful writer, and but you also have to have a personality, and not all writers do. <laughs> it's like, or but, not when they yeah. want to share. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I'm, I'm not hesitant, but sometimes I've had authors or like come through. Oh, maybe it'd be good, and then I'm like, I just don't know if it's gonna be a good fit. I don't know. If, I'm like. It just sometimes you come here and people don't talk. Not you're at the club, but you meet writers and they're really awkward and don't talk at all, and you're just like. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's Well, it's strange, too, because I think publishing is always looking for silver bullets. It's like, why will a book sell? Yeah. It's like a magic algorithm of information. And I think an easy answer is, oh, 
have Twitter <laughs> or oh, I know. Have an Instagram, which is not actually a good idea if you don't like those things because no. it's not authentic and you hate it and that comes through to people. Yeah. Um but podcasts, I mean I love podcasts. Yeah. And they're awesome and it is a really exciting time for audio right now. I mean in not to bring it back to publishing again, but that's one of the audiobooks are about the only segment of publishing right now that's growing. So yeah. paperback is leveled off, ebooks have leveled off, and now audio I think has been growing by like ten and twenty percent every year. Yeah, and then Malcolm Gladwell said in that interview, I forget which I think I want to say it was Armchair Expert that his audiobook outsold his book. Yeah, absolutely. And the way they made the audiobook was to be more like a podcast, like kind of like NPR serialized style. Yeah, which I haven't listened to, but I wanted to get to it, where it's like if it's an interview of a judge testimony you hear the judge and like all that kind of stuff which was also a lot of different media booms like documentaries and stuff Mm -hmm. which is so exciting because it's fucking it's awesome yeah it's It's so great it even harkens back to like the old days where you know you entertained people through the radio and there was yeah you'd have the horse come in yeah you'd have like singers and people like to like that kind of narration. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because you can't get to a play every night at that time. Oh, I can't. Or, right. <laughs> we have kids. We I can't know. go no, out. I, didn't, I didn't even remember that someone's in a play. So it's amazing yeah. to have – because to me, an audiobook is kind of close to what you feel like when you go to a play. It's not quite the same. But mm. you do have a different experience than reading a book because you have an actor's interpret, and they're actors usually, sometimes famous actors reading yeah. audiobooks. Yeah, they're great. And you have their interpretation – of the book and it's cool and then sometimes they'll have um there's a thriller author and her book i think had maybe 20 points of view and they got an actor for every single point of view jesus yeah which you know that's not going to happen for everybody but yeah. it's really cool what um, publishers and people are willing to kind of put out there that is such a different experience than actually just kind of reading and it to me can take something in a completely new creative place and it's like the thing that you did, like your book, Little Voices. Oh, right. Plug, plug. <laughs> uh, but like um, it doesn't die. You don't write it and then it's not just done. Right. Like you can then – you can take that and then it could be a, a film. Like, well, the likelihood for anyone who writes anything is it's going to become a television show or a, a movie. Very unlikely. It's yeah. just the reality of Absolutely. life. Absolutely. But there's nothing stopping you from just sitting down in the studio and reading your book out loud and making your own audio. Like mm-hmm. technology has gotten to that point where you can now do that. And then you can take the thing that you've made and it can go longer and longer and longer and longer. And it's 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 so fun. I mean, I feel they just take over. I travel a lot for work, so it just takes over my life. And doing the dishes, that's usually when they listen to the most. Absolutely. Like laundry. you almost feel like if you're doing laundry and you're not listening to a book or a podcast, you're like wasting time. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, I could be, I could be I get through be, this. Right. And really enjoying this time. Like it doesn't have to suck to fold the socks. It can actually be pleasant. You actually fold your socks? No, all right, not cool. at all. No. I, I, just, I gave up on folding. I try to sound like I have my life together. Yeah, I don't fold no, my socks. I gave up folding clothes like a few months back when I just was never putting them away. I'm like, I'm just going to throw them in the, the thing. Just in that Victoria all hates. That's my wife. And she loves it. <laughs> The, yeah. she the went mess. Full, she went yeah. full Marie Kondo, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to throw this in here. I, it's yeah. not on the floor, so I think I think that's probably that's the – That's good Yeah. It's not on the same chair. Instead of going from the bed to the chair that yeah. I sleep in to the bed to the chair, yes. it's like I'm just going to just throw it in there. Yes. Uh, off topic, I'm missing a lot of clothes if anyone's finding any of them, <laughs> especially socks. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, hopeless. <laughs> as, as you now know, the sound of the podcast goes, like, tell us about your book, but really want to learn about your laundry habits. Yes, and, that's right. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we both have kids, so they need to do their laundry, and they don't help. No. they. Dicks. In fact, they – he just – I can't. Yesterday morning, I think he was. My son is five. He was launching himself from our window seat to the bed to purposely knock off the laundry that was folded. That, that was sense. his aim. Yeah. To just sure. Waste more time. It was good. It was a really nice way to start. Were you the, day. the wild one growing up, or your hu- husband, hu- wife? Uh huh. Husband. I couldn't yep. remember. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to assume. No. No. Yeah. Uh, totally. Uh, no. Um. Well, he he's the oldest of five, and that's a whole other. Oh, yeah, that, that's no, a whole, say no more. That's <laughs> you, it. You know, you got it. You don't like no one really remembers how they survived. They did survive. They're wonderful. It's all boys too, by the way. Jesus. So five boys in a farmhouse in Kansas. What? Mm-hmm. Is that your next book? It could be. The next <laughs> just be the in title. cold blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who done it? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure. I'm sure the thoughts entered their heads, but no, they all survived. They're all really lovely, great guys and have nice spouses and that all worked out that doesn't make fun thrillers i know it doesn't normal people are not interesting and then i've got a younger brother he's four years younger 
and I, we were probably both equally wild. I mean, yeah. we in a small town in Oklahoma, like you just you got to be a little wild. And it's actually pronounced Miami. No, it's Miami. You got it. I, I was reading your stuff. That's right, Miami. <laughs> Miami. Yes, if you Miami. pronounce it Miami, they'll throw rocks at you. Yeah, so don't do that. And if you go to Miami, you gotta call Miami, Florida. Yeah, right? is that My, correct? Yeah, that's pretty. That's very good, Oki. Miami, Florida. In Florida. Uh, I want to completely just nothing but projection. I have nothing the basis off of. I just wanted yeah. to assume that you were Lisa Simpson growing up. Yes, correct. Right. Or Tracy Flick, Lisa Simpson. Sorry. Oh, from Election. I'm sorry. Oh, that is. she's. Same same principles okay. as Lisa's. Yeah, is that weird that I fit, I put that on you without no, even never meeting it's you? Correct. Just I just like just like the hand up. And, yeah, yeah I was like totally. I'm like you write books. Yeah, you but, go to museums for fun according to Instagram. I, yeah, I do like museums. It's that's a fun thing to do with kids. I mean, it it's not always easy, but I don't like kid stuff. Kind of sucks. I don't children's yeah. museums. I mean, God bless, they're great, but man, they're great to get the energy out and they learn yeah. their skills yeah. or whatever. But, but you're, you're not having fun. No, you're not having fun. But I kind of have fun at museums. Yeah, like those are nice. And there's usually a car ride to Boston or something involved. Yeah. that'll burn another hour. Lunch. Lunch is yeah. So it can kind of fill a whole yeah, day. We're, we're just getting to that. Like, she still naps, but kind of getting out of it. We can kind of we're yes. starting to get into that. Like we can like start traveling farther in the daytime. Yeah, that's like, huge. Not being home in the middle of the day. I also love the nap. So it's it it's gonna miss. be tough. Yeah, naps are nice. I know. It's I good to have a, a good sleeper. Sure. Yeah. So um, what what is your journey from? I know you're from Miami. Yes. Oklahoma. Good. That's perfect. And then college brings you to DC. Um. College took me to Kansas City, Missouri, and I was there for four years. Um, then I went to grad school in D.C. and was there for about nine years. And um, loved D.C. It was a really cool place to be in your 20s. Um, and that's when I started writing again. College, for whatever reason, I kind of stopped creative writing. I don't know if it was papers or what, but, you know, just like the academics of it. Just the t- is it time? Well, time, time. maybe. I don't know, but like, in college, I just felt like I just wrote. Because I had to write papers like for fun. Yeah, and so I'd, that wasn't fun to like write yeah. more. Maybe yeah, I, I, I really I wish I kind of stuck with it. But anyway, I got back to it in my early twenties and started you know trying to write again and joined some writing groups and critique book groups and things in DC, um, and then kind of wrote two books over ten years, which that's not an awesome average. <laughs> well, I have zero in thirty five years. Okay, well, so that's pretty yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just. This is going back to the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. I just, it really, for me, it just took me a really long time to find kind of my voice. And and I would say particularly, uh, you know, even though I've now published a book, you know, I just wrote another book and it's coming out in September. It's, Congrats. Thank you. That's so big. Yeah, it's awesome. But it still was a mess. So, like, it never gets easy either. Yeah. I, you know, like, I, th- I think in my mind I had this idea that once you published – I don't know. Things would just be easier. And it's not that I'm complaining, but it's interesting that it th- that for people especially if you're writing and you don't and you feel like it's not good enough, like that just never goes away. Mm-hmm. That's just a feeling that will always be there unfortunately. Imposter syndrome even? I think it's imposter syndrome and I also think again that 10,000 hours thing also has to do with when you read enough you know what's good. It takes you a while to get to where you feel like what you're producing is kind of even close to that. Mm. And even when, let's say, you hit a certain level that you're happy with, and maybe it's even good enough to be published, once you've achieved that with one thing, you're still starting from page one and the next thing. And you have to kind of build it back up from first draft, second, third, whatever your process is. And, you know, I with this book that will be coming out in September – it's called For the Best, so I sent it to my editor. And I knew there were some things that were not working, but – I thought a lot of things were and you know to be fair like she my editor really liked it but she was like okay we kind of pretty much have to rewrite this and that's just what it is like that's the business like that's the professionalism of it you say okay what do I need to do and you just get over it and you do it if that's like what you know if if you agree with the edits and notes and I did I mean I knew it wasn't there and I was open to completely rewriting it and that's pretty much what I did. And it was it's such a better book now. I mean, it's it's incredible what listening to people who know what they're talking about can do. <laughs> do you like writing? I do. I like asking that to writers because usually you get no. Or it's usually you get the, I like having writ. Yeah. No, I like writing. I mean, I'm like at a five, like on a one to ten scale. Like most days are a five. And you kind of write for days that are like tens. And you don't mm. get a lot of those. Sure, sure. But you get some. Like right now I'm about to start something new. And there are a lot of tens. 
now because you don't really have to do anything right now. You're all ideas, which, I mean, there's nothing better than an idea because there's no mm. work involved. You just sit there and imagine something brilliant. And I'm just kind of brainstorming characters, and there's just nothing but possibility and opportunity in front of me, right? This is like a sweet spot because sure. soon I'll be writing and I'll think it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But for right now, it's really exciting because I've just got like ideas and research and, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? So I'm loving it right now, but I know soon I will be hating it. I feel it sucks too in a way. I feel like you just wrote this book and now you're already on to the next one. But are you still promoting? You're still promoting little voice as well. Yeah. Simultaneously having to write the next one. Yes, all of that. Correct. I, I know creativity loves a good timeline, right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. I know, I know they're always like, you should have this perfect thing by this in one year. That works out. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> How's well, that going? And I mean, at the end of the day. Publishing is a business. Yeah. And I re and you know, my publisher is Amazon Publishing. That's a business. <laughs> and they are fantastic, but you know, they have deadlines. Yeah. They have schedules. And you know, as much as it as it is creative and mystical in some forms, you really have to be professional about it and treat interactions like true business encounters. And yeah. you know, to do this professionally long term. I mean, you have to just, like, show up and do the work, yeah. listen to feedback and critiques, Ugh. and hit your deadlines, you know. And there's some flexibility, you know, a week or two or something like that. Yeah. Um, but especially being a new author, like, at an early stage, like, I personally think when you're the new guy, you have to just really be the first one in, last one out, kind of show up, do mm -hmm. the work. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I've just still got a lot to prove. Yeah. Like, and now for, like, it's, I don't know much about publishing world, so this is really interesting for yeah. me because I don't I know more like from just listening to podcasts like TV and movies and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like I know like Marvel movies will be like, well, we have a theater, they'll have like a title and they'll have a date, and then they have to make the movie that ha it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, it's coming out this day. And yes. if you're the director, whoever it is, you're the fucking you get all the risk and the reward kind of <laughs> thing mm -hmm. for it. Like, how do you how do you write a book? Oh, this is gonna sound so basic. Like, no, I have I. Yeah. Don't like I. I felt even weird coming to the writers' club. Like I, I have such anxiety about writing. Like right. I hate it so much. Okay. Yeah. I hate it. I like talking and I like reading and I like I like to recognize other people's good writing. But mm -hmm. like even when I was reading like some of your book, like, I was like I reading like chapters. I'm so, like, yeah. looking through your book. I was like, how do you do that? Like I could never like write it and then remember what I did on page seven and then and like and then again in ninety five. Like those themes. I have no idea how you trace it. it for for me, writing is like the exploration of an idea or a feeling. And so I just kind of chase feelings I have. Like with Little Voices, it was exploring all my complicated feelings around being a new mom, the joy, the terror, all of it. <laughs> I don't know why. This is so odd. But for some reason, I when I, when I read, uh, how about, give me a little synopsis of your book so I don't ruin it for people. Oh, sure. So um, Little Voices is a story of a woman who on the night she goes into emergency labor and almost dies, her friend is murdered. And back home from the hospital, my main character is reeling postpartum. She's actually hearing voices, which is a form in some post very severe postpartum. Um, and despite all of these challenges, she's going to try to solve her friend's murder and return to who she was, you know, before she had the baby. Were the voices like big or little? Well, little I mean, voices. it's called little yeah, voices. No. Uh, so they're, but they're mean. They're little, but they're mean. <laughs> but I'm reading like just a premise. Anyone else out there who anyone knows the show enough? As I'm a pulp culture fanatic, my first two thoughts were O.J. Simpson and Veronica Mars. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. Did you ever? I don't know if you were ever a Veronica Mars fan. I way 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 back when, but I didn't finish it. Which oh. I, I know people. I'm uh, not. Like, I'm be, not on that level. I yeah. won't be that person. No, but it's all right. I, no. And I personally love the fourth Hulu season. I really liked. Cool. That's good. I yeah, I've heard movie. mixed things, but again, I have no idea. Yeah, but and then. I don't I don't know why I thought of the OJ thing. That was just so weird. It's like one of the most important murder trials. Yeah, I'm just the... like, well, I was like, well, Chris lost, you know, they were her, her and what's his name, Robert, and then the, mm -hmm. their friend murdered their friend. But, um, <laughs> how much of um, was that, is this story, how much of this stuff actually happened to you? Like, it, my wife had gone through postpartum as well. Yeah, it's so I was never diagnosed with postpartum depression, but my son didn't really sleep for two years. So, oh my fucking god, it was really hard, and I was wow. exhausted and kind of on another plane of existence, and really missed my old life a lot. And I'm, and it's very difficult to love this new being in your life and to be so happy that you have the opportunity to have a child and have this experience. And then at the same time, also feel very conflicted about being exhausted and being frustrated and having most of your day revolve around diapers and baby food. It's just, yeah. and 
especially because most of us have just worked, you know, like two jobs our whole life. And to suddenly just have everything stop and be focused on pretty inane, somewhat boring. And a lot of boring. A lot especially of boring. Especially when they're boring. Oh, my gosh. I know. You just sit there and watch TV. Like, you do. You just they sleep and eat. And... Or for me, I felt like I was waiting for a bomb to go off because yeah. he would cry all the time. And oh, then, it, and then yeah, he just, anyway, he was just not a good sleeper. So for me, the way he would sleep is I would wear him, which my main character does as well. And so I would just, like, walk up and down Blackstone Boulevard every day for hours a day. And being a writer, my mind just became drawn to the story also of a new mom who wanted to solve a murder because I love thrillers. Yeah. And so I just had this longing in myself to read a book that had a new mom in it and not a new mom who was like just reeling from postpartum, but who was actually proactive in an investigation. Mm. And I, I wanted to see her figuring things out and, you know, finding leads the police didn't, but then also struggling. And there's like a lot of like, she's, pumping like I wanted there to be a lot of reality because to me it was important to capture that and you know there's nothing wrong like my next book for the best there's a there's like a four-year-old almost five-year-old kid in it and he's in it but it's not the heart of the story this mother-son relationship whereas in Little Voices so much of the book is about new motherhood I mean Mm. there's other elements to it but I really wanted to capture that moment in my life as we were saying when you have a podcast or just anything. It's like a snapshot into that time. And if I were to try to write Little Voices now, it would be a completely different book. I can't remember what it's like to have a baby. That's been five years. I have no idea. No, your brain wipes that shit right It does. Right up. It's gone. Yeah. And I was, you know, on book tour and stuff, I was like reading through for passages to read or whatever. And there was so much stuff in there. I was like, oh, yeah. I just completely forgot. So it was important for me to also just like capture that moment and all the kind of terrors of fiction Yeah. capture motherhood. But to wrap it around the murder mystery is the thing I think I like about it the most because no one, at least that my aware of, that isn't usually. Uh, there aren't as many. When no. I wrote Little Voices, um, kind of the biggest book that had any postpartum theme at all is uh, by Sherry LaPana called The Couple Next Door. And it was mm. a big hit. There's another book called um, The Perfect Mother by Amy Malloy that has a group of mothers in Brooklyn that are solving a crime. Um and now, I think in the past maybe year or two, there have been a few debuts also mm. that have some motherhood in it. Um, but I just, people just need to be talking about postpartum. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like one in eight families are affected. It's a yeah, huge deal. And it's and, and it is something that people really suffer alone yeah. and or with a partner, maybe. But even then, it's just, it's hard. And I had so many friends who were, you know, diagnosed with postpartum and they would go on medication they would go into therapy, and it helps so much. And they were in pain for months and months because yeah. of stigma. Yeah. Oh, it's you. I work at Butler Hospital. Oh, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I, they, in my old office, they used to run the postpartum group. Oh, would, wow. Not me, but just, yeah, yeah, we, right we, there. We mm-hmm. were mixed with women and infants called Ken England, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, and my wife's a huge advocate. Actually, for the, we're actually going to the state house after this. I actually got there today to testify on a bill that they're trying to pass for um, so doulas can get. Uh, compensated oh, by insurance companies. My wife's the political lead. She wants, but like her postpartum depression is like really pushed her more into like That's politics great. and putting for that. But it's interesting though because you what you did is you took that story, but then you didn't do a biography, which is also fascinating. Yeah, but you wrapped it around a murder mystery. I did. Well, does I, that give you more? Um, is it a vulnerability thing that you could like tell your story with, or is it just more like you just like? I mean, I'm not fun? very interesting. I think yeah. is the main. Th- you would not want to read the book of my experience. Um, it would just be excuse me. me Miami, Oklahoma. Miami, yeah, it, it writes not. itself. People. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, no, the I wanted to write a book with like tons of twists and turns and like a pretty crazy ending and like none of that is my life. Um, I also, I have a little bit of a background in politics and so there is a fair amount of politics in the book too. You did communications and marketing, but so you do that with like politicians? Uh, Yeah, Uh, sorry, for um, nonprofits and government organizations in education policy. Are we allowed to ask what side you worked for? Or? Oh, yeah. So I mostly work for, like, the teachers union and, mm-hmm. I mean, more Democratic-leaning organizations, but also some newspapers. Is that why you have a MAGA hat on today? Yeah. That's a new recent development. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I thought just, it was... Yeah. He's, his, Trump's support of the arts has really drawn yeah. me to him in a it's way. It's not a very fresh hat. Didn't. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah. Red's red, my color. I'm good. Yeah. I think it's like... Yeah. But it's like the dumb baseball well, and the flat brim. Like, when, come it, on, people. when something matters, you, yeah. you wear... You wear 
You wear the ugly trucker hat anyway. It's okay. One of my favorite, my one of my favorite uh, websites because it's called the Hard Times, like a satire website, mm-hmm. and they had that like today. It was like, man, unsure why his mega hat uh, shirt is going under, and instead of uh, make America great again, it said make, gr- uh, make. Make another album's gorillas, or something <laughs> like the band. There's the band, the gorillas. Yeah, yeah, totally. There was some, I had to, I'm, I'm butchering it, but it was just like it was. I don't know why it just made me laugh so hard. Well, in the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I haven't seen okay, it. Yet, Larry David wears a Magda hat, and it's to, on purpose or just to oh, on purpose, just to piss people off. N- no, even more larrier than that. He does it so people will leave him alone. It's really smart. It's it's great. He gets I, like the cool seat at a sushi yeah. restaurant. They like see him and they like gasp and go away. I love that show. But yeah. I, it gives me a really bad anxiety. I can't mm-hmm. watch more than two in a row. <laughs> yeah, and I and I love. I, I think it's some of the most brilliant things I've ever watched. But sometimes I'm just like, it's a lot of Larry. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It, but like, but I, uh, the, when they did the Seinfeld reunion, like those were my favorite things. Like, do you respect Wood? <laughs> like, oh my fucking! It's so good. Oh, there's, there's one I remember watching. Like, I think I was in college, but like he had dinner with a contestant from Survivor and a Survivor, a Holocaust survivor. And I think the Holocaust survivor was a little bit older and had hard of hearing, and he's not hearing the survivor. And confused, he's like, "What's rats? We ate it." And like the they were, Larry was trying to make it seem like the competition show Survivor was harder than the Holocaust. Oh my, it just it's so bad. Yeah, and brilliant. I love it. Yeah, love it. Love it. I think it's wonderful. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, you worked for like democratic organizations. Yeah, and yeah. And that whole time, were you writing for fun? Most of that time, yes. I was uh, working on different books that, you know, didn't end up going anywhere. Going to writers' conferences. I mean, the thing about it is, for me, if I'm not connected to other people, like a critique partner or going to conference or groups, it is a really lonely, depressing experience. That's what I thought. And then I got to join this wonderful club and then meet people. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a community to it. And it's wonderful. I think I was talking to uh, uh, Jody was telling me, I was talking to Jody, who's one of the people, she's been on the show, but runs the place, one of the the people who runs this place, saying like they're, when they do like their meetups, have you ever go to any of those? Mm-hmm. Yes. They like the when it's like more author based, it's very quiet. And then when it's, they have like a podcast one, it's just we're all like, ah! <laughs> and like I always have to tone myself down because like you get I get like a real high yeah. after a good interview, and I always walk out. I'm like, it went great, Jody. Okay. <laughs> so I've always like when I come in here, I'm like, all right, quiet down. Take it all the way down. But it's so funny. Terry but I could, Gross. Terry Gross. I know. Gross. Oh, she's so good. Terry Gross. It, do you, do you listen to WTF with Mark Marin? Like that's one of the bigger ones. I, when someone dies, I will often go to WTF. Like I know the Robin Williams one. Oh I just sat God. there and just sobbed. He died on my birthday. Oh, very I'm nice sorry. Robin. I lo- I loved him. He reminds like, me a lot of my father, and I don't. And I just Mrs. Doubtfire was just. A, I know the movie of my childhood. Yeah. and Hook. Hook. The movie of my, and I just had more emotion about his death than I have ever of any celebrity I know. and one his hour. depression. Well, when he and, passed, I was yeah. sad, but I was like, "Yo, that makes sense." I, I heard him on that episode when it yeah. aired, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah all right, cool." Yeah, Thanks. but I, not cool. I was really sad. Um, even like he did like the sh- movie uh, One Hour Photo, oh, I don't which think I was saw that. it wasn't famous, but yeah. it was like he played. Um, the he developed one hour film at this thing, and it it was really a substantial thriller. And then he becomes a stalker to this family, like very out of character. But so he really stretched himself. I mean, obviously all those other ones, but there was one. I'm not. There's something I'm trying to think of that he was in. Not Bicentennial Man. Not Flubber. Not those bad ones, but. Oh, what dreams may come might be. Oh, from yeah, okay. Cuba. I saw that. That's a long time ago. Like, yeah, tear, I remember seeing it in theaters. Like yeah. however old, I think we're of similar age, mm-hmm. and just be like, we in a few times in theaters at that age, just like in tears. Mm-hmm. Then flash forward to Endgame, and like, uh, yeah, uh, I can't he was, do this. He's an incredible actor. And, uh, but that yeah. podcast episode was. Yeah, really so that's a good one. Or Gary Shandling, I was a huge fan of, and he passed. I went back and listened to like he was on. You made it weird with Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's weird because sometimes it's um in some instances for some of the people it's their last unbeknownst to them it's their last interview. Yeah, and it's like a thing they're known for. And like God, I don't. Well, we're all gonna die. Let's let's we can just turn this to my therapy session that's about fine. my death anxiety. That's right. But I wish I did that yesterday after I watched the good. You place. and my son would have a lot to talk about. We are. Oh, have you? Sorry, uh, as we continue, have you watched the lunch the sack lunch club? What's that? Speaking of death and children, um, it's fabulous. So it's on Netflix right now. Um, is it Pete Holmes, Wait. the comedian? Yes, is that his Wait, name? is this the John Mulaney one? 
thank you for giving me the correct name. John Mulaney's They're best buds. The so Sack cool. Lunch Bunch. Oh, it okay. It is about death yeah. and kids, and adults will enjoy it, too. Wow. I love dead kids. That's it. That came out wrong. Yeah. No, it's super good, and it's great. Parents should watch it with their – like, I watch it with my five-year-old. I mean, there's some stuff that I don't I, I don't think I've – strong enough boundaries but anyway to me you know we had great conversations around it and they talk about death and it's a, i thought it was a satire or it's absurd or so. i didn't know what it was it's a kid show really i mean it's pg it's huh. a kid show the jokes many i probably 60 percent of the jokes are for parents uh, now you're talking but the but the kids enjoy it because it's just it's full of kids they do songs are they i puppets? mean because i love a good puppet no nope, it's just I'm out. it's just <laughs> kids it's great um what a um, weird thing. It is. It's Jake Gyllenhaal is the closer. He does a he's a music man. Um <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Natasha Leon has what? talks about her fears of death. Oh my god. Were you in my therapy session yesterday? I'm just saying. It's good. I've watched it four or five my son wants to watch it every day after school now. And it's oh. only been out a week, so I've seen it yeah. like five times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's that's great. So great. Yeah, you guys will like it. It's good. Yeah. But hot lots take. of death in it. Yeah, it turns out we're all gonna do that one day. Hot take. Yeah, it's crazy. Still learning. Yeah. No, yeah. I, did you watch The Good Place by any chance? Not yet. The, aired, uh, the last episode, the series finale just ended, and it was oh. sad. Not in a bad sad. It was just beautiful, but just, oh. yeah, I can't even tell. I can't do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet, I'm, I'm going to binge it. That's going to be a good Are couple months. Are you death obsessed? I'm going to guess based off the murder yeah, mystery. Yeah, I'm very interested in death and how yeah. people react to it. Yeah. And, I mean, I think I'm personally kind of okay with death. I'm a pretty committed no childhood trauma. Agnostic. Of anyone I mean, you know, there's weird dying. stuff. Um, our church burned down when I was in when I was very young, and so we had. Did you burn it? I didn't do it myself. No, it was like electrical fire. But why are had, you winking at us? Um, I didn't do it. <laughs> I did. No, I didn't do it. But the church then met at a funeral home for for at least a year and a half. So every Sunday we were at a funeral home, and sometimes if you were late to Sunday school. All of the viewing rooms doors would be shut and you would open to go to your normal Sunday school class and it would be occupied with the body because, you know, they're going to have a showing later. Are you kidding no. me? And my parents, who are wonderful people and wonderful parents, I'm sure they're going to listen to this. Once or twice, they accidentally left my brother there because it's like you take him. Mm. I got him. And then there's and then so my brother was left at a funeral home like maybe once or twice. But before we get judgy, I have to say yeah. I've never been in a parent in a world pre-cell phone. So... Who I, knows? I allow it. That's right. That makes total sense to me. And it's a nice funeral home. He was fine. Oh, they're lovely. Yeah, it's no big deal. But that's fucking weird. It, Have yeah. you ever put that together to your book until today? You're like, oh, because that's what we're here. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, yeah, it is a little odd, but also it, it was a lovely funeral home and nice of them to let us meet there. You know, and then they built up a nice, pretty new church. What decisions they were making at that, like, at that level of the church. Be like, well, we already got the guy in the, I'm assuming you're of some sort of Christianity. Like, we already got the dude up there hanging, bleeding. Like, what's the funeral home? That's be fine. That's right. as a kid being, like, we were, like, I think Christian. I'm bad at this part. What was your church called? I don't remember. St. Rose, maybe? Oh, you're a Catholic? No, I'm not. Lutheran. I'm atheist, but. But, um, I mean, let's talk about what you were I think we were Catholic-ish. Well, not. You think you were Catholic? You don't know if you were Catholic? so my dad was Unitarian. Oh, oh, that's not Catholic. And no, and then my mom was like, she would call herself a spiritual Catholic. All right, so I guess we were a Catholic. You're Catholic which, then. No, yeah. I, well, that, well, we I get the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they won't excommunicate me. I've tried several times. To, oh, to, you have to write. You, you can't. To the it's Pope? like surprisingly hard. Well, I tweeted oh. at him. Oh. There's a comedian I love that did it every day, Barry Crimmins, and oh, so I would copy him, and then I never cool. got. He's since passed away, unfortunately. Oh. But he was a really if to take it. He did this great documentary called. Um, Oh, why am I freaking blanking on the name? But he was um, a stand-up comedian. He was like the guy who made – this is before Louis C.K.'s. Now we knew he was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. At the time, he, was, he had like an old Boston comedian. His name is Barry Crimmins, and he had been raped as a child. Oh, God. Um, like repeatedly, really terrible wow. stuff. He grew up with like Bobcat Goldblatt, but he made this really beautiful documentary. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it. And I forgot how all this was going, but I'm sure it's good. Mm-hmm. But – and – um made this documentary and he becomes a child advocate uh, uh, for like Great. child for yeah. all that stuff and man I have no idea what I was saying I am so sorry it's alright I literally just blanked <laughs> it's always that child rape that gets oh okay Barry Crimmins that's yeah. right um, the, so he one of his he's strongly anti-Catholic mm. <laughs> and sure. uh, so he would always tweet the Pope every day to be excommunicated oh, I think. and he never got yeah. excommunicated but either. I remember being like church because I never got to pass CCD 
Because I was like young, I had ADHD. The church wasn't very nice yeah. to us. Uh, they like you mother. to sit there and listen. Yeah, it wasn't me. It was yeah. my poor parents. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember being like my mom in like the era of like Tipper Gore and like mm. CDs had like about like, you know, like, like it's like when the far left, like the left and the Christian right teamed up to make sure we, like for censorship. My mom and dad were probably a little bit more into that. Mm-hmm. And I remember like honestly being like, I can't listen to like, I remember it was a big deal. You couldn't buy Dr. Dre's album, the first one, The Chronic, because it had a weed leaf on it. And it was like CD burning, like yeah. that whole era of Two Live Crew. And then we would go to church and I would sit there and stare at a man on a cross. And I actually think I got yelled at one time. I'm like, take him down. Yeah. And, not, and now I think it's hilarious. But I think as a kid, I was like actually a traumatizing. Af- afraid of it. I was yeah. like, just fucking take the nails out. Yeah. My- my oh. son doesn't like crucifixes either. No, they're like, really mean. It, it's a very when you go to museums, there's a lot of crucifixes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of like baby Jesuses on Marys and crucifixes, and it is sort of a shocking. We're desensitized to it, but I don't know if that's a good thing. But yeah, we're you know very used to just seeing this man. I mean, being crucified, you know, it was a political act, or it was an act to punish political. Um, I don't know what prisoner or whatever that. Anyway, so it was one of the most torturous and painful forms of punishment because you you were crucified usually because you'd done something against the government and they had to make an example of you. How long does it take to die? I think okay. a very long time. I can't. You probably, basically bleed. I believe you bleed out. Either you bleed out or you no food. Yeah. So that's yeah. but no food is like four or five. I mean that's a long time. Yeah, it's like, so like a week, right? That's not. It's not. You don't want to be crucified. And no. then then they would crucify you upside down if you were a heretic. Is that right? Anyway. Sure. Sure. Anyway, well, we'll so check this in our was, fact check yeah, section was, yeah, that doesn't show exist. Show notes. Show notes. Yeah. Show notes, yeah. But yeah, so religion is funny. I do have this very distinct memory of, I think for me, when I started to kind of question religion, <clears throat> we get baptized. Um, I was raised in the Disciples of Christ Church, which is a really actually, you know, if you're if you're going to do it, it's a really One of the good lovely ones. church. Yes. And yeah. in fact, I was first introduced to like gay marriage and some of those principles not necessarily in my church in my small Oklahoma town, but I did a mission trip and we met some like very liberal um, pastors and it was cool. It was great. Yeah. And they're like, and it was a lovely place to grow up because people were nice. The point is though, I remember being in the third grade and being so excited because I was going to be baptized. And for um, people who are baptized, it's essentially like, oh, it's almost like a hot tub situation. They have a big kind of tub at the front. I don't know if you guys would have had that. Well, if you were at a Catholic church, you do not, no. for sure. That sounds fun. You're and sprinkled at fun. birth. You were, your soul was saved at birth. You're good. They sprinkled you. You're you're in. But for me, you you kind of, they want you to make a commitment as like a, a logical person, I guess. So like third grade is deemed okay. And I remember. Somehow that's a step better than birth. birth I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> distinction. But I remember being really excited because the idea is that your soul is saved. Which mm. is, that's a big deal. This idea that because I, from a young age, had a real problem with hell. Like just this idea, and I still have a problem with hell. But this Seems idea, it's really mean and disturbing. And this yeah. idea that only Christians experience it. It's like so if you just happen to be a person who was never even exposed to Christianity, which is very possible. You're just yeah. there. Anyway, so I already had problems with hell, but I thought, well, once you get baptized, they dunk you in the hot tub, you come up, and, you know, you're going to heaven. I remember we went out, the preacher put us under, put me under. It was like, I think there were several of us. Put me under, brought me up, and I felt exactly the same and very disappointed. Here, now I know how waterboarding feels. It was very strange, and everyone's yeah. clapping, and it, you just get this sense of, like, I wish... This, and this is my spiritual identity, not that you asked. But my spiritual identity is I just wish I did feel something. Mm. That would be awesome. Uh, a lifetime of that. Right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm like, yes, I hope there is a God and I hope there's a heaven. But I just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I um I had just finished up maybe semi-recently because of which led, well, because my wife's traumatic birth and I yeah. had uh, ended up getting... Long long story short, is like traumatic birth, and I had post traumatic. She was postpartum. I had gotten post traumatic stress. Uh, led to ended up doing EMDR therapy. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. EMDR like therapy a, is in my next book. Really? Yeah, light therapy. Yes, um, my main character does it to yeah, help remember traumatic memories. It's, it's incredible. Fucking incredible. Yeah. I fell into it completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, I actually saw my therapist yesterday, so it's also like fresh in my head. Oh, my um, one of my best friends. Is a therapist who does EMDR. That's how I learned. Really, about it. around here? Uh, yeah, she actually used to work at Butler. What's their name? Uh, Dr. Lauren Potter, or 
maybe not doctor, but anyway, therapist Lauren, Lauren Potter. Potter. Yeah, she's yeah. Of, I used to work with her. She's one of my good friends. I, should, um, I used to work in Dunkin. Didn't she move to Massachusetts? Yeah. And, and we she's doing EMDR her. in Massachusetts. I, I didn't know her. So we worked in the same building. Yes. Uh, but for different, I work at a different program. But she was the, when I was talking about the postpartum group, that's what I was referring oh, to. Oh, yeah. She I, ran a wonderful. I haven't seen her in so long. Yeah, she's great. And she had a little boy. She did. Another little boy. Yeah. I saw a really cute video of him rocking out to ACDC this I wonder morning. If she, I don't know if she would remember me because I didn't know her as well because I had gotten like a per diem job at the same place I worked. So I worked the front desk at night and that's why I would have oh, chat with her once more. Yeah. If you tell her, I said hello. I, I don't know if she we remembers were, her. We were in pregnancy group together and have remained friends. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. She actually gave me a really um, what a small fantastic presentation about um, postpartum psychosis. Oh, yeah. And I used a lot of that um, research in my uh, book. Uh, EMDR is real fun. Yeah. It's like doing acid without ever having to take it. And I, I don't mean that as, like, as a joke. Like, yeah. I know there's research to, to, for, like, microdosing. Anyone out there wants to know more about this stuff, watch The Mind Explained on Netflix. Oh, cool. Um, there's, it's like a six-part docuseries. There's, an epi- there's one episode that is about uh, microdosing. But the point to that is that um, um, hallucinogenics – Meditation, hypnosis, and EMDR therapy all do the same thing, like the access to the subconscious. Mm-hmm. So it it's pretty crazy in there. But uh, the, the reason I'm bringing all this up, and it's still weird that you know Lauren. Oh, that's so funny. I think I so like I, I was like a staunch atheist, and I I would still say I'm an atheist just because I want to help change the image of atheist. But I would probably be more agnostic, even hu- humanist rather. Uh, but so I went through EMDR, and it is like I had a. It, I'm having the. I've had the feeling from EMDR therapy of what you wished you had from being mm, baptized, and wow. I totally understand it. I'm not spiritual still, but like I finally, with there's the unanswerable questions of life, and I, I can't recommend EMDR enough for anyone. If you've never done it, it's yeah. really fun. She, it's she like has up. principles that you know she can't do it on friends and things like that. Oh God, no, no, you right. need like a guy. Yeah, and but whatever. she was very encouraging. I might yeah. you know try it. She showed me the equipment and everything. And yeah, explained I mean, it to me, you can go videos on videos on YouTube. Yeah, I watched. Yeah. Well, if you go, well, you you could do it to yourself. Well, it's not true MDR therapy, but yeah. if you wanted to like just have basically MDR therapy. Anyone listen is it's just basically it's um when you're when you're, it's put in rapid eye movement. It's very similar to sleep. So for the listener, it's just me tapping my knees. If you do that, that will put you in rapid eye movement. Mm. Um, uh, so you're not going to get to work through stuff therapeutically that way if you're doing right. it by yourself, if you're trying to sleep. It really is. It just puts you like in a lucid dream. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. And uh, But from that, like, it's opened my eyes. Like, I was like, nope, there's no God. And now I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, our brains are fascinating places. And the, I mean, do you believe in ghosts? No, but I have a theory of why, because I was terrified okay. of them when I was a kid. So it's just like your mechan- coping mechanism. Yes. So I feel like if we discussed it long enough, I could probably now... See, this funny. year-ish ago, I would be like, no, that's stupid. But now... but And also, if you told me that you can control your body temperature from uh, your breath control, like, you're lying to me. Hmm. But now I've gone through MDR therapy and learned about, like, Wim Hof, and I've learned about all this, like, really unexplained stuff that we still can't figure out and the unknown questions. So I'm like... Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. Right. That's and I there's you know, I, everybody I kind of want to believe in magic. I want to believe sure. in something, right? And it's yeah. there and the brain there's so little we know about it. Oh, yeah. And it's really powerful and the things like if you look at what other animals can do like in the animal kingdom, yeah. like their specialties and from you know changing the color of a chameleon skin, yeah. but there are other things that animals can do that almost seem magical. And yeah. it's like, well they're just genetically able to do those things. So who knows what else is possible and where our consciousness can go. I don't know. If- I, I could talk about it forever. Hey, hey we got some time. Let's do it. <laughs> well, like, so I don't know if you know, I'm, I have just learned, his name's Wim Hof. He's, they call him the Iceman. Um, he's like this Den, this guy from Denmark. He's a skeptic, complete skeptic. I think his wife like, died or something. But mm. So he had learned um, you can control your body. The subconscious also control, regulates body temperature. Okay. So he learned to change his breathing pattern. And he now like hikes Mount Everest in shorts. He has the um, long, the, the, and he submits all of this stuff to Imperial research. Yeah. So, um, he's got the world record for swimming under ice at the longest length. Wow. And so everyone's like, Anom- you're an anomaly, you're an anomaly, this is impossible, whatever. Where he's like, no, I'm not. So he'll take people like you, me, whoever, and they do groups, and in four days he'll teach you, and you could do that. So I would say that's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. But that's true. But it's true. Right. So the problem with bull- – here's where I get tough with it is because it's like – you're, when you do that, though, you're just getting one step away from, like, Gwyneth Paltrow world, who I fucking despise and hate. Oh. <laughs> so 
I, I, it's like this kind of thing where you have to be like, all right, one thing that they believe is true, but everything else is garbage. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, because then you get into the whole don't take medicine because like veganism cures yeah, a no, vegan no, no, no. diet. Yeah, so it gets a, tough. I think you have to always ask yourself, is someone trying to make money off of me? Yeah. That's a really important question when you're exploring things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm also a true believer that like things should be working in tandem together, not against each other. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of EMD th- EMDR therapy is really just just pretty much science now being like so the buddhists they were they were right mm-hmm. like a lot of what mm-hmm. emdr therapy is is just cuz the whole premise of like with emdr therapy or microdosing or even hypnosis if you just go into it not thinking it's going to work it's just not going to work right so they're like we know it works we just don't know why mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it um but that's so cool it's going to be in your new book yeah. cuz well, like you're 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 the the character in your story could really use some after all that well she so in little voices it's it's in my next, my coming up next book. So um, in Little Voices, she has sort of rejected therapy, which is part of, not rejected, but she's avoiding therapy. Well, I'm, I'm going to get, but that's where like the solving of the, that's the thing too. Like, so therapy fi- is wonderful, but like in that, you're strive the extremism for justice. Right. So she's fixated, which is a common issue with postpartum. She's fixated on the crime of her friend and she puts all of her energy and focus into that. Which is a good thing. That. Yeah, which is good because it helps solve it. In my next book, which is called For the Best, which comes out in September, uh, my main character had a traumatic childhood event and she's um, and she has started having dreams about it and then she and she subsequently has a pretty serious alcohol problem and so one night she gets blackout drunk and a man is murdered and she's the only suspect. Yeah, which, you know, if anyone has had too many to drink, that's sort of top nightmare You might scenario. believe it. Never, I've never been blackout. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm just not a drinker. That's good. That, never had been. That is great. Yeah. Because it, it's a really destructive um, thing, and it kind of ruins lives. And I've had many people I love who have been pretty impacted by alcohol in various ways. Um, but the so she has a couple points in her life where the curtain has faded to black. And so she goes to EMDR therapy as sort of a last resort to try to remember what happened that night with the man in the murder mm. that she's accused of. Um, and it does help in some ways yeah, um, to help cool. because the way Lauren explained it to me is that there are so many memories and things that either are locked away because of maybe time, but probably trauma. Mm-hmm. And EMDR is able to sort of pull them forward so that you are finally able to process them. Yep. Because, you know, trauma, when it when it's not treated and not processed, you know, it, it can infect everything. Well, it turns into phys- any emotional pain turns into physical pain. Yes. Yeah, EMD, what it does when you're in, you're, when you're in, in rapid eye movement, like, compared to sleep, it uh, suppresses the part of the brain that releases the physical effects of the trauma. So the trauma uh, survivor can then process the experience without having the physical effects mm-hmm. of it, which is fucking fascinating yeah. if you think about it it's, it's just like but that's not anything um that's really not anything that crazy if you think about it it's just no. ultimately it's like we just do this because we sleep like it's all mm-hmm. we've just science has just been we've just been able to figure out like well let's just kind of push you here and there but it's almost like you're doing it yourself right like animals do but yeah isn't it it's so cool it's really cool and it was fun to kind of explore it creatively <clears throat> as just an opportunity you know to push a character somewhere new. And or you I, get to write the subconscious where you can do anything. Yeah. I, I like my a note when I was in the rewrites, my editor said, I you know, with a lot of alcoholics, dreaming is a big part of that experience. Huge. And she's like, I think you should create a dream journal for this character. And I love <gasps> that. So there are yeah. several, and the Dream Journal has like kind of hints to some of the crime as well. Ooh. See, this is why you're the writer. <laughs> ah. So yeah, so I loved thinking about um, the subconscious and <clears throat> the memories that she would have hidden because she hadn't processed them yet through mm. NPR and, you know, how those manifest in her daily life and in her alcohol abuse, yeah. in her behavior, how sure. she sees the world, how she treats people. So do you find yourself growing up as a Lisa Simpson that this is just a fun outlet to be part of these worlds without being it? Yes, that there's a something people say, which is like, you know, writers, the more exciting the book, the more boring the person. That's great. <laughs> and I think it's really yeah. true. Like I have the most boring life and I love it like that. Because yeah. then you can just 
explore all the crazy complexity, twisty, dark edges of everything Boring's on the page. good. And I didn't realize that when I was younger. Mm-hmm, I know. And it's like, if you can get to a place like, I remember being young, like, Why? my parents don't go out. They're so boring. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like the dream. Like now, yeah. like I've worked in the behavioral health field and like seen lots of people and grow up in chaos and, and live wonderful, great lives. Mm-hmm. Just like. Okay, like if, if, if Felicity grows up and is like, God, Dad, you're so boring. You yeah. host a podcast for fun. Yes. And Mom goes to like, to, to is like a politician for fun. Ugh. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're lucky. Because I'm not, I don't, and I won't lay it into her. Be like, do you know any of me survivors I've had to meet of sexual abuse or childhood mm-hmm. or just so many horrible things that people, and the human spirit is just beautiful, what it can yeah. overcome. But back to the dream thing, um, we, I don't know, like, I, I know a, you're an author, so I keep bringing it to TV because that's more of my reference. Yeah, components. yeah, absolutely. Like my favorite Sopranos episodes were uh, the dream episodes. Yes, like when Tony found out mm-hmm. that. Uh, but like, uh, but that was all his subconscious because he was mm-hmm. feeling bad about murdering his friend, right? Yeah. And it, uh, no, he knew that Big Pussy was ratting to the FBI. And oh, he, and he knew he had to murder him. And he figures out it yes. through his dreams. And I've had experiences of finding out people murdered someone. No, but yeah. I, I've I've lost. I've had like. We don't have words for it, but I've had these experiences where like, I had uh, lost a friend to, uh, who had taken his life, and it was really mm-hmm. tough. And yep. I remember like having this like weird like night where I like was kind of like I was in my I think I laid down and took a nap, and I didn't sleep right, but I just had this really weird out of body experience. Um, the woo woo world, which I'm not a fan of, but I'm kind of now listening to more than I used to be, would call astral projection. Oh, um, I don't that, know what that is. It's people say it's when you travel to another you. Like into throughout the multiverse. Okay. I, yeah. All right. Sure. I, like Spider Man multiverse. Oh, you, you somewhere else. Uh, let's just stop the podcast and talk about Into the Spider Verse for an hour. <laughs> I've watched it at least a hundred times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, kind this of like idea a, of the you somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe that's true. I don't know. But I had this like weird thing where I saw myself out of body, where I had known my friend who died at this uh, summer camp called Hope with Heart, where we used to work for kids with heart conditions. Mm-hmm. I used to go there. Long story. And but like I had this dream where I could like see myself. I was walking down. I saw. Ken, who has not lived past, and I saw him, and he was smoking a cigarette, and then our other friend had just died uh, previously to him, um, I think right before or after. It was like, they all died. It was a really yeah, bad time of life. Awful. And then I remember, like, talking to him in the dream and feeling very real, and him knowing that Sean had died. So Sean had died after. So it was, like, really odd. And now this is all the subconscious work and stuff mm-hmm. out. Is, I guess yeah. you can explain. Yeah. I, don't, I got to the point in therapy, I was like, I don't need to know what it was anymore. Other than it's it, something you needed. It moved me. Yeah. yeah. And then we had this, I talked to him, I told him I was pissed. I was like, we had this really great, like, thing where we're both in tears. And, like, the way the dream ends, like, I can cry talking about it if I really get to it. It's really special. Mm-hmm. I hear his voice. And he blew a cigarette smoke into my into my face. Mm-hmm. And I woke up with the smell of cigarettes and choking. Oh. And my depression from, or depressed, I just, I was just better from that experience yeah. after yeah. that. And EDMR was like that times a thousand, which I recommend everyone. Right. But, um, yeah, it's so cool. Our subconscious is, I mean, it's incredible. We just, we have no idea what we're capable of doing and what we need and what's and the wiring yeah. we've had our whole lives. And that you can rewire. That you can, yeah, yeah. rewire, yeah. Well, my therapist will always tell me that he goes, well, the placebo effect is an effect. But yeah, it's, a, it's real <laughs> because want, it works. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, but and if you want to get down the conspiracy theory, you can't profit from it. So what's... Mm-hmm. That's, right, but I'm like maybe we should do some more research on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's studies that show like cancer survivors if they have the if given if you walk into a, a diagnosis of cancer just with the attitude I'm going to beat this, you're mm-hmm. just more likely to beat it. And yeah. we just we don't know why. Yeah, so I'll take it. I believe it absolutely. I yeah. mean, there's there's a lot of know, the mystery of it. There's some magic power, whatever it is. But you know, to not be open to it, I think you miss out on a lot. I close myself off of that, and I, I wonder if, like, and then I know have like the podcast, and, and and now that you're like a writer and everything, it must be fun to get to explore these things that you mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to in your boring life. Absolutely, or even just visiting things that I think are interesting. You know, the like EMDR, I was kind of fascinating um, with postpartum psychosis, like all of the research and like what goes into that and the yeah. symptoms. The book I'm about to start writing now, I'm gonna return to um, old um, like Native American. Um, legend. So I, I in, uh, in Miami, in Miami, yes. So, but it's so like you're going back so, to start Rhode okay. Island, and you're going to go back, bring it back right. to it's gonna Oklahoma. Go, go back, and I there are um, speaking of like unexplained phenomenons. There's something in um, kind of northeastern Oklahoma, right on the border um, of Missouri, that is called the Spook Light, and it's a studied phenomenon. But it is a, and I've seen it, and then it's a light down an old at, kind of 
abandoned dirt road that just rises over the trees, floats around, can go through your car, can go through you. Wow. And then can disappear. Is it what do what do people assume? Well, swamp gas. I mean, nobody knows. But like what are the fun theories? Aliens? Oh, I think, I mean, ghosts especially. I mean, there are just so many mm. really interesting legends um, in the area from, you know, sad stories. Like, some of them related to, like, Native American stories, but then some of them just kind of old ghost stories. And so, you know, maybe it's some haunted thing. I mean, people have said aliens. I mean, mm. it's been studied by the Corps of Engineers and things. Yeah. And there's, like, um you know, different mystery programs have come out for it. So, but... Nonetheless, there's just like thousands of people who have seen a light in the sky spin around and go through their cars and for years, decades. I mean, since my parents were, you know, young and now, you know, churches take hayrides of people out to see it. I mean, it's a it's a thing. Mm. Anyway, so I'm kind of excited to explore what that is. Yeah. And, you know, that and sounds just so fun. go into research. And so I don't necessarily have, you know, I don't know what it is, but it will be interesting to just explore those kind of edges of what could be or couldn't be. I mean, it's certainly not as scientific as EMDR, but to me, I still get that same feeling of yeah. exploring the unknown in a lot of ways. Is that part of like, it's almost like childhood, right? It's like, it's play in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it's all, the play is the the beginning of it and then the rest of it is just the writing. The hard work, yes. And making it work in a narrative structure and actually oh, make sense and yeah. those kinds of things. Was it a hard jump for you to leave working to then to did you did you work then then stay home with the little one and, and then, then start just, writing? Yeah, yeah, so I just stayed. Was um, that a hard transition for you to be like I'm going to make money off writing now? Yeah, it's a little bit scary. I mean, I you know, I'm lucky my husband <clears throat> his job, you know, helps most of the expenses for the most part and so but there's still, Even the museums. Even the museums, yeah. Ooh. You can get good deals, though. I mean, there's some good deals. But at the same, you know, but I still, you know, this is my job, and I take it very seriously. And Yeah, you, you know. were here, like, just working? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So, yes. like, you're, like. I'm, I'm you're a writer. Stru- you're structured. I got to do it, yeah. But, I like, because you have the kid also, you have to be like, I'm working from 9 to 5 or what? We'll, yeah, or 4.30. Or, yes, that's right. So, the to go pick him up at daycare in just a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, and so it's, you know, to be a working writer, you got to, there's a lot of hustle. Just like, I mean, it's this, you you have a lot of work to do. To... You carve out time and absolutely, and it's a job. I mean, I'm you know work on that all day, and then some usually. Yeah. Do you think it lonely here because it's so quiet? No, I love it. Yeah, it's really nice. Because you can go so at what's your writers club, which is this amazing club we have in Providence that is a kind of writing, co-working, creative space. It's essentially <clears throat> people who don't want to talk to anyone and work. But still be around other people. Yeah. And maybe have a couple minute chat while you get coffee outside sure. and then go sit back down. Yeah. You know, it's great. And you've and there's also all these studies that show that people are the most productive when they feel the possibility of being judged. Whoa. So I truly believe that a big part of productivity is not just being at home in my pajamas where no one can judge me and Netflix is nearby. But being like here or a coffee shop or whatever, and I know that other people are working, I should be working. And you're clothed. And you have to, yes, like not, don't nice. have comfy clothes. You have to like yeah. show up and do the work. Yeah. And so this is a great space for that. I know we have to wrap it up. I just want to, I know um, it's so many things. You'll have to please come back. Oh, I'd love I, to. I feel sure. like we could talk. This is super fun. I, I hope we hit at least some of the things we were supposed oh, to. Oh, great. Um, but I know you were on uh, PBS and you've been in the New York Times or anyone else there. What was those experiences? Were that fucking nuts? Like uh, mom and dad happy? Yeah, it was crazy. That's so cool. <laughs> That's the, really cool. The New York Times was like bananas. Like, I right? couldn't. Well, and my book was stabbed by a knife in the New York Times. That's crazy. So there was like a photo that went along with the article. I know. And it was the article was about. I read it today. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna talk. To I her. know. It, it, the article's about um, how um, authors are using the terrors of motherhood and fiction, which is just mm. a topic I could talk about forever. It's like so fascinating, and I was very honored that they included me in this article, one of you know many other books. And so they took a picture of all the books that are in the article, and mine was the one that got to have the knife jabbed through Tears? it. Tears. I didn't – no, I didn't cry. I was, like, so excited. It yeah. was a different kind of high. Mom and dad happy? Oh, yeah. They thought it was really yeah. cool. They're, like – they're very supportive. Annoyingly supportive? No, they're so much no, fun. It's great. Because it's, like – It's cool. It's so fun. And if you don't enjoy the good stuff, why yeah. are you working so hard? It's, like, 
most of the time, I'm just sort of thinking that my writing isn't good and that I'm a fraud, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. that's not the New York Times. That's it. Well, but so when something good happens, it's like, oh my god, let's just like be happy and share it and celebrate it. Sure. It was so fun. No, it's it's wonderful and it's so great and um, I I it's so cool and it's I love. I just love talking to anyone who took a left turn at a point in life for whatever the reason was and, and if it can turn even if it's just a hobby, like Absolutely. It's something, the fact that you're able to profit from it in a way and, and have like a, a quality of life that yeah. you get to enjoy and um, a fellow I mean I'm from Connecticut, so not far, but if, I find people who are from other states who move to Providence like us yeah. tend to be the biggest proponents of its love. It's the and best I, place. I mean Rhode Island yeah. is all in little voices because it's a yeah. it's like a love letter to it. I love this state. Me too. I'm like and I mean meet people who live here like, Oh, Providence, there's nowhere to park. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking kidding? You have no. It's like every time someone's complaining about Providence, I just think, wow, you've definitely lived here for so long that you don't know. Move somewhere else, and you will learn how incredibly lucky we are. Yeah, it's such a great place. Um, before uh, we gotta, we have to wrap it up because we have adult things to do. I know, and we gotta get, get the kids. Fun. I know. Uh, what uh, what what are your pluggables like? Uh, yeah, so I am very active on Instagram. I love Instagram. You're a good Insta story Thing. person. It's I can so take fun. Lessons. I love it. It's so fun. Um, so please come find me on Instagram. I will very happily follow you. So it's just Vanessa Lilly, and my last name is spelled a little weird. So it's L I L L I E. And then um, I have a Facebook, you know, find me on Facebook, um, and I do a lot of retweeting on Twitter. I'm not as active on there, but I really love Instagram, so come hang out with me there. And I've still got book events going on in the Rhode Island area, um, so, you know, check out my respective social media pages. And then my next book, um, For the Best, will be out in September. So I'll be doing some stuff, and I love meeting people and talking about books and going to independent bookstores in Rhode Island. It's oh, a so really great. fun place to be creative and a writer. This, we are, we have so many fabulous bookstores. It's kind of ridiculous. It's amazing, like, and new ones open up all the time. I have had two wonderful events at um, Inkfish Books in Warren, Rhode Island. Wonderful events at um, Barrington Books Retold. Oh, yeah. Symposium Books is so fabulous. I mean, we have Riff Raff, which is a bar and a bookstore. Yeah. There's just, it's a it's a really cool place to be a reader and a creative. Yeah, it, it really is. Oh, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So, August, September, come back when you when will, you do your promotion rounds, please. Yes. And I'm sure I'll see you at the club at some point. That's absolutely true. Thank you for having me. This oh, has this been so, so fun. fun. Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, Don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening.